You know, in the olden days, by which I mean any time pre-pandemic, having a job typically meant you'd have to leave home in the morning and go to work, put on proper pants even, be it an office or a factory or, I don't know, university campus. But since COVID, working remotely has suddenly become possible for many, many millions of Australians who now work from home. If that's you, I'd love to know what working remotely has done for you. Has it made the juggle with the kids and the household chores more easy to achieve? Maybe you've cut out on a big commute time. Um, perhaps you've gotten creative with your remote office. You spend your time working from a boat or a back garden shed or traveling the country. We hear about these digital nomads. It sounds wonderful. Um, perhaps you hated it and you just wanted to get back to the office and be amongst adults. I know that feeling too. What about you and working from home? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Are you having troubles with your boss negotiating to keep it? That is a pertinent question uh, coming up, uh, certainly the debate over reforms to industrial relations laws. Uh, On the text line, Catherine says, I work for a a workplace health and safety company which undertakes consulting along with supply and installation of roof safety systems in Tassie. My role is typically 100% work from home and it's been that way uh, from my start date in November 2022. I meet up with my boss from time to time at co-working spaces in Hobart, but apart from that, it's work from home, sweet home. I envy you, Catherine. That sounds like a pretty good deal. And starting a new job in the pandemic, as you did, clearly sets the precedent. But can you keep that right, that right to work from home? Because this important review is being done by the Fair Work Commission. It really could determine the rights of workers like you uh, when it comes to working from home. If the Commission finds that awards should include working from home rights, several million other workers on uh, their enterprise agreements could also push for the same flexibility. Uh, Jessica Tinsley is the Industrial Director of Workplace Relations at the Chamber of Commerce, and Melissa Wilson is a Senior Economist at the Committee for Economic Development Australia, uh, an independent think tank. I welcome both of you. Melissa, starting with you, I mean, how significant has re- remote working uh, become in recent years? What are the figures telling us? Yeah, hi, thanks for having me. And and you're right, it's been a, a massive increase in work from home uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. So what we know from the data is that currently 37% of Australia's regular of Australians regularly work from home. And if you look back to you know census figures pre-pandemic, that number was more like you know five percent were working from home on, on census night. So it's been a really dramatic shift in a really short space of time. Uh, Jessica Tinsley, I mean, you're hearing lots of different feedback from companies about the impact this shift has had. Tell me about it. What are you hearing, the diversity of these sorts of views? Mm. Well, thanks for having me, Andy. Um, I think in terms of what we're hearing on the ground is that when employers can offer uh, flexible working arrangements, particularly working from home, we're hearing that they're doing that. Um, But the reality is, is a lot of businesses out there just can't offer that. So there's lots of different industries such as retail, manufacturing, where working from home is just not an option. Um, But where we've got uh, businesses that, that can um, we find that they do. Um, and look, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, there are some concerns from the business community around um, the extremes, really, um, around uh, employees that are refusing to come back to the office at all. Um, and that's becoming increasingly an issue with our tight labour market, um, where really it's a, it's the, the world of the employee at the moment. Um, but I think is that the our labour market kind of loosens a little bit. Um, we might start to see a bit of a shift in that trend. Of course, productivity is always the first 
uh, I don't know, debate when we're talking about working from home. As this text says, being working from home one day a week for 25 years, I kept this right by being measured on outcomes, not how long I'm in the office. Uh, I mean, Melissa, do we have a sense on on what this shift to remote work has done in terms of workplace productivity? What's the definitive answer there? Yeah, look, there's a lot of views and opinions and it can get quite confusing. We know that, like you've already touched on, there is this discrepancy between the productivity gains that accrue to workers. So workers typically like and feel more productive when they work at home. They enjoy that flexibility, not having to commute. Whereas the productivity benefits of getting people together at their workplace in the office, they typically accrue at the firm level and those benefits are less tangible for workers and they take longer to accrue. So that's, you know, the benefits from things like collaboration and and informal mentoring and so forth. When we look at the overall evidence on productivity uh, in terms of work from home so far, it depends on a range of factors. And so you really need good research and, and good evidence to back this up. And so far, the evidence suggests that that some form of hybrid is likely to be the best approach. So you know, not the two extremes, um, a little bit of time at work and a little bit of time at home. And that if you can get this done uh, well, if you can really uh, crack this for your organisation, that you can get some productivity gains from that. Yeah, the whole concept of presenteeism, I, I mean, I don't know how prevalent it was in the debates about productivity before the pandemic, but I mean, I certainly think I do my best work in Ugg boots and tracky dacks, but, uh, you know, my boss might <laughs> feel, feel differently. If you just join me on RN Drive, it's 22 past four. Jessica Tinsley is the in- Industry Director of Workplace Relations at the Chamber of Commerce. Melissa Wilson, a Senior Economist at Independent Think Tank, CEDA. Tell me, Melissa, we've looked at the benefits of remote working for people with disabilities and carers in particular. Uh, this is the subject. This is the subject of your inquiry. It seems like this is one area where working from home absolutely has its benefits. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This is the area, diversity and inclusion, where we've seen a really clear win from working from home. So our research has found that that more parents, women with young children in particular, and more people with a disability or a health condition and more carers have joined the workforce thanks to that pandemic-induced shift to work from home and also the strong labour market over the last few years as well. So we've seen really strong gains for women with young children and now uh, their participation is up eight and a half percentage points and and people with a disability or health condition similarly up seven and a half percentage points. These are really big gains when you think that participation across the workforce more broadly was was steady or only up a little bit over that time. And what we're also seeing is that these groups who had a stronger preference for work from home prior to the pandemic, they've increased their rates of work from home, but so has everybody else. And so the result of that is that across the board, uh, the different groups uh, are no longer looking so different and everybody is sort of working from home at, at similar rates. And that's really levelled the playing field, which is a great win for diversity. Yeah, I wonder about this hybrid model approach because, I mean, anecdotally, it's always the question of you've emailed someone you want to hear back today, but obviously Friday's not their day in, and that could be within a company or externally as well. Is there any research, Melissa, about what policy frameworks work best in this setting? 
I don't think the research has touched on the policy side of things as much because it's still really early days in the whole, you know, mass work from home experiment. Um, so far, it's been sort of left to to firms and workers to find the best approach. But what we really do know is that it, it's complex. It's still in the experimental phase. It's not a case of one size fits all or set and forget. And the best approach is going to be different for each organisation, different for each team and, and is going to change over time. So definitely not going to land on a one size fits all approach with all of this. The opposition indust- uh, industrial relations spokeswoman Michaelia Cash has said that rules uh, aren't needed around working from home. She more or less says that employers and employees are more than capable of setting their own work from home arrangements in workplaces where it's possible to do so. Jessica, is she right that it's best to leave it to companies and employees to work it out for themselves? I mean, you'd think that two adults, you know, commercial arrangement could probably come to a suitable and sensible agreement, but then then again, it's not factoring in when things go bad, which is what industrial relations laws are presumably for. Absolutely. I think she's right here in terms of, and we've seen this, um, we've seen the evidence of that. So working from home, it's, uh, it's really a boost in the last few years, but it's not a new concept. It's something that's developed over the last decade or so um, and beyond that, you know, but in, in higher rates. Um, we know that increasingly enterprise agreements, which we know are agreements between an individual employer and their individual workplaces and a particular union, um, for instance, more and more of those enterprise agreements will have um, arrangements around uh, working from home. So we know that um, in terms of that these issues are being dealt with at the workplace. I should mention as well, so in terms of caring responsibilities, and Andy, you started um, the segment talking about the, the Fair Work Commission, the award review, um, and, and the focus of that review really is caring. Um, it's work, It's called the working care stream. So we're, we're talking here about how we can provide more flexibility for those with, with caring responsibilities. Um, to the Senator's point there as well, in terms of the current framework, um, I'll just point your listeners to the existing flexible, um, uh, individual flexibility arrangement uh, protections that already worked into the Fair Work Act. So we know currently under the National Employment Standards, which applies to all employees, not just award covered um, ones, uh, that if you have, um, if you're a parent or a care of a school aged child, um, you've got a disability, you're, you're pregnant, you're age 55 or, or older, uh, you're experiencing family and domestic violence or a whole range of other different well, mostly those, sorry, um, that you already have the right under the Fair Work Act for all employees to to make a request of your employer uh, to, to work flexibly. And a big part of that is is working from home or reduced hours or different days. Um, and this is this is a part of the Fair Work Act that's existed for a long time now. So this is certainly not a new concept um, and there's certainly those protections in place already. But if there are these uh, number of cases regarding remote work going before the Fair Work Commission, wouldn't it be actually better to clarify the legislation? Is that what the Fair Work Commission is doing in this investigation? So the Fair Work Commission only has um, jurisdiction to consider um, award terms. So they've got no ability to change the current law for, for as I mentioned, as I set out before, for caring responsibilities in the Fair Work Act. Um, so all they'll be doing is inserting, potentially inserting terms in modern awards that are in addition to those responsibilities and obligations of the Fair Work Act, which when we start doing that, we've got different layers. Um, we know the workplace system already is quite complex. Um, so we do have some concerns about, um, you know, making things more complex for business. Melissa, I mean, as we sort of uh, assess the risks that, uh, well, if the Fair Work Commission doesn't provide enough guidance of this, 
um, and I'm, I'm particularly conscious of employers that are listening to this and employees who want some clarity. What, what, are, what, what risks are they exposed to, do you believe? Look, if it's about providing clarity, uh, then I, I think that's a good thing. But as, as Jessica said, if it's adding to that regulatory burden, then that can really uh, put a drag on things and make it really difficult for employers. And particularly when we're thinking about ways we can boost productivity growth in the economy. Now, our, our own research shows that that employers are spending more and more time on, on regulation of this kind. And that means they've got less time to devote to building their businesses and, and innovation and all those things that we know are a key driver of productivity growth. So if it makes things simpler for business, then then that's a win. But if it makes things more complex and more difficult, then that's a concern. Well, we haven't even gotten into the uh, the weaponization of this issue in the culture wars. Uh, perhaps we'll leave that for others. Jessica Tinsley is the Industry Director of uh, Workplace Relations at the Chamber of Commerce and Melissa Wilson, Senior Economist with Independent Think Tank CETA. Good to have your perspectives. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having us. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.